Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 19, go down to verse 29. We're going to read just about 11 verses, and then we'll talk about this for a few minutes. It's the first day of the last week of Jesus' life, as he was going to give his life for all of humanity. The Bible tells us what happened on that first day of the last week. Beginning in verse 29, if you're there, can you say amen? Amen. When he drew near Bethage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, He sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you. When I'm entering, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Why are you stealing my donkey? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, they found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the coat, the owner said, why are you untying the coat? Verse 34, and they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, and he says, I tell you, if these rocks were silent, the very stones would cry out. We're going to take a pause there as we start talking about the first day of the last week of Jesus' life. Today, if you're taking notes, if you have a a notebook or an iPhone that you're taking notes on, I'm going to talk to you out of this title, Pardon the Noise. Pardon the noise. Why don't you slap three, four people around you and tell them, pardon the noise. Come on, 12. Pardon the noise. Let's pray. Let's ask Jesus to help us this afternoon. I'll talk about this for the next 24, 25 minutes as we look at God's word. And and then I want us to worship one more time at the end. Amen? We're going to worship Jesus and then go have an incredible Sunday. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this weekend. What an incredible weekend. Thank you for every young person, every youth, young adult that made a life-changing decision as your spirit drew them near. And I believe that destinies were changed this weekend. Thank you for every word speak, spoken. Thank you for every speaker. Thank you, God, that we believe that miracles happened. We believe that repentance happened. And we're going to see a whole generation begin to serve you and love you because of what happened these last two days. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Speak to us from your word. Holy Spirit, have your way. I believe that you're already moving through the rows and the chairs, healing, opening up our eyes so that we may see you more clearly. We love you and we thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that all of Calvary Church says... Oh, come on, all of Calvary Church says, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on.
In the late 70s, there was two doctors that were trying to find an answer for these tropical diseases that were affecting and killing millions and millions of people. And two doctors, Dr. Samuel and Dr. Otoshi, they actually worked and researched for years and years trying to find a solution. And after a whole bunch of years of studying and trying different medicines, two ivermectins that they developed actually began to help people who were dying from these diseases. In fact, after years, they were recognized and praised for finally finding a solution. In the year 2015, these two doctors, they actually received the Nobel Prize for Science and Medicine because they found the answer to diseases that were eradicating human beings. And so it was a big breakthrough. Recent times, though, has shown that the ivermectins that they developed for these specific diseases, they really weren't the final cure. The medicine that they developed, were, they were treating the symptom, but never going down to the root problem. And in the last couple of years, over 150 million people were still dealing with this disease and dying from the diseases. The diseases in the tropics, they actually develop worms in the body. And what they discovered was that the medicine that these doctors did, it actually treated with the larva, but not the adult worm. The adult worm was feeding off the bacteria that was already in the body. And so they said, you can kill the worm, but you actually need to get down to the bacteria that's feeding the worm. And I think this is a big lesson for all of us, that you can treat the symptom, but still have the root cause of the problem. I don't know, as I was reading this article, it really spoke to me because I think we do the same thing with ourselves. We do the same thing with our soul and the problem that every single human being has in the soul. Every single human being is longing, looking, searching for some satisfaction. We are all trying to find something that brings eternal peace, hope, grace for our lives. And what we do often is that we just treat the symptoms, never getting down to the root cause problem of the self. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. That means every single human being, we have a God-shaped vacuum in our soul, and we're in desperate need for God. But often what we do is that we find quick solutions instead of getting down to the root problem. In fact, the way I put it is this, quick fixes never really satisfy eternal feelings. Oh, we try to fix it quickly. Maybe one more high will fix the problem of the soul. Maybe one more drink will fix the issue of my soul. Maybe if I have another one night stand, I then might find the satisfaction that I'm looking for. And so we're looking, we're longing, we're searching, we're all trying to find what can bring me the peace that I'm desperately searching for. Oh, come on, every single one of us, we've been on this search what can bring me the satisfaction? I, I can't find it. And so we go everywhere. We try everything because there's this need in the soul for God. And so we begin to try products, people, places to see what can bring me the peace that I'm looking for. Something has to satisfy the whole of my heart. And so you see humanity. We try to climb social ladders. We try to buy every product that comes out. We try everything that this world has to offer. 
We try to climb the social ladders of life to see if I finally get the degree or the title or the position to finally get some validation in my life. Maybe if I really make it in my job, if I make it in corporate America, I'll finally feel like I'm somebody and that will bring me peace. The day that I finally become a CEO, CFO, mini money mo, I'll finally be happy in life. Can I tell you, we've had people do it all, try it all, and it still won't satisfy the soul. Maybe if I get my dream car, then finally the answer I've been looking for. Work my whole life to get the Land Rover. <laughs> and yet you see that the Land Rover still doesn't satisfy. We learned this as kids. You ever wanted a toy so bad, and a few months later your parents are like, I bought you that toy, and you haven't touched it in five months. Right? I see my nephews now. They, they, they literally will cry for something. My sister gives it to them. Months later, they never touch it again. My nephew Lucas wanted a little gecko lizard for months. He cried for a gecko lizard. Right? She bought him the gecko lizard. PETA, we love you. I'm sorry if this is uh, animal abuse. He finally got the gecko lizard. He played with it for two days. And after two days, gecko from Geico never got played with again. Why? Because the human soul wants something to see if this is finally the thing that is going to bring me the enjoyment. Can I tell you, we go through Instagram trying to find hits of dopamine that will finally bring me some peace. Oh, I got another like. Oh, I got another comment. Oh, finally this person followed me. Two weeks later, it's still not enough because there's a longing for something more. And the only one that can fill it, his name is Jesus. It won't be Instagram. It won't be a salary. It won't be a car, a house, or it won't be your thing it's only Jesus so we try everything and we go everywhere but nothing can satisfy and I believe that there's people here today maybe watching online and you've done it all you tried it all maybe you walked in here today this afternoon somebody invited you and maybe you're in here even high as can be and this morning you were just trying to find some peace you just walked out of a bar last night and you're in church this morning saying I'm looking for something to satisfy Maybe this weekend you had another one-night stand or you slept with somebody that wasn't your spouse because you're just saying, maybe this will bring me the relief that I need. I've talked to people that have gone from one marriage to the next to the next and they're saying, something is still wrong. I don't find my life partner, my sugarfoot honey boo-boo. <laughs> the problem isn't the marriage. The problem is you. The only one that can satisfy is Jesus. See, and what we come to learn is that all we do is that we treat symptoms all day long. That's all we do. We treat symptoms. We treat it with food. We treat it with product. We try to people. And all we're doing is that we're treating the symptoms, never getting down to the root core. But a spiritual thirst can only be quenched with a spiritual solution. C.S. Lewis put it this way, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. One writer said, the symptoms of the soul, they're actually an act of grace from God to show us you were made for the more than the here and now. I thank God that I get thirsty sometimes for something more because it drives me to God. I thank God that Instagram won't do it. I thank God that the relationship won't do it because it drives me to say there has has to be something more and that's King Jesus I was made for the more than the here and now and so today 
We're in here worshiping on the first week of this study. We're saying it's all about Jesus. And you got to excuse some of us that get a little loud. But some of us, we tried some things and it never did it. Some of us were in relationships and they never satisfied. Some of us got drunk until we didn't know where we were going. But the only one that did it was Jesus. Oh, today, if you're thirsty, he is the living water. Come on, if you're hungry, he's the bread of life. If you're lost, he's the way, he's the truth. And he's the life. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me. I'll give you rivers of living water. And you'll never thirst again. And so we must look, search for the root cause, the solution to satisfy the eternal problem of the soul. So what happens is that we begin to misdirect our worship. All of us are worshipers, by the way. Every single one of us were worshipers. If you lose your mind for the Miami Heat last night, for example, I'm just a fan. And so you lose your mind in the stands, you'll go crazy, and they're like, that's a passionate fan. But you do that on Sunday morning and they call you a fanatic. Right? But all of us worship something. So what we do is that we've misdirected our worship from the only one that can satisfy the soul to the things that we think can satisfy. And maybe you're saying, Alex, I really don't worship all these other things. We think that worship means hands lifted in an environment like this, singing all hail King Jesus. And we're saying, I don't worship Instagram. I'm not there saying all hail King Instagram. But the truth is we do, because worship is what you give the most attention to, what you give your heart to, what you give your time to. And then little by little what happens is that we do start worshiping the relationship, and we say all all hail King Salary, all hail Corporate America, all hail Instagram, but little by little they all fail because there's only one that can satisfy the soul. And so today, come on, why don't we put our worship in the right place? Today, have I been looking for validation? Have I been looking for an answer? Have I been looking for somebody to satisfy the soul? Some of us are in a relationship we shouldn't be in, but we think that's the answer to my soul. This person validates me. Until you find your validation in Jesus, nobody else will be able to do it. And so today, we, we have to be careful what's sitting on the throne of our hearts because what sits on the throne of our hearts will determine the direction of our life. In fact, I put it this way today is that worship will determine where we go. What you worship will determine where you go. Do you want a life full of peace? Do you want a life full of hope? Do you want to leave out of here saying, I finally found what my soul has been looking for? I thought the symptoms were telling me I needed this. But today, what I worship will determine where I go. Luke chapter 19, it's such a beautiful moment, pivotal moment, really in the history of mankind. And I think a lot of us have read it. We've read this story. If you grew up in church like me, Jesus rode on a donkey. It was awesome. All the branches. Some of us received branches when we went to church growing up, and we leave with branches. We hang it in our cars. We're like, oh, me encanta la palma. It's awesome, right? It's, it's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story, but let's look a little deeper today because I think that there's a greater revelation happening in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, what's happening is that the king is finally coming. Come on, let's, let's get in the context of the story. I want you to place yourself in Luke chapter 19, and we have to understand that God's people have been waiting for a king for a long time. I'm talking about thousands of years they've been finally waiting for a king to come free them, help them. The Messiah is coming. And a thousand years go by, two thousand years go by, and it seems like God has forgotten. 
In fact, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, there was this look to a king that was finally going to rule. Maybe it was Saul, and then you find out Saul is not the king. Maybe David is the one. It's not David. It's going to come from David, but it's not David. And so, similar to us, looking for a king to satisfy, nobody can do it. Maybe Solomon, Solomon's not the king either. So they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. This day, Jesus is finally going to reveal who he is. Remember, for three and a half years, he told his disciples, don't even say a word of what's happening. Jesus was moving on the DL. Jesus like, don't tell nobody what's going on. Because there is going to come a moment where I'm finally going to reveal who I am. And on Palm Sunday, I like to call it King Sunday. Finally, this Sunday is the day when Jesus says, the time is now. And I'm about to show not just the people around me, but all of the cosmos that I am the Son of God, that I am the King of Kings, and that I am the Lord of Lords. And so he's coming to show that he's the King. Now, he's not the King that they're looking for. It's a different type of king. Like some of us in here, we, we're looking for something to satisfy the soul, and we think it's going to come in the shape of something else, only to say, whoa, I never thought it would be Jesus. They thought they were going to get this political leader that was going to go down into Jerusalem, kick out the Roman oppressor, get little Caesar and his pizza out, and say, Jesus is finally on the throne. And so they begin to celebrate him. They begin to praise him. But how many know Jesus didn't come to fight Rome? He came to fight sin. Jesus didn't come to take an earthly palace, but Jesus is going to rule from a spiritual palace. What they wanted was a free country. What he was about to give them was free salvation. And some of us, were looking for something to mask the symptoms, but Jesus is like, I'm trying to bring a solution to the deep need of your soul. What you're wanting is temporary pleasure. What I bring is an eternal solution to all of man. He's a different kind of king. But this day is the day that the king is finally coming. And I believe that this day, what it does, it, revealed, it reveals the hearts of the people. Because he's about to show them, you're worshiping me for the wrong reason. Oh, you're all around me screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. But when I don't give you what you want... A few days later, you're going to say, crucify him, crucify him. I think as we begin this series, week number one today, as we talk about Palm Sunday, it's going to be a big revealer of our hearts as well. Do we worship him for what he gives or do we worship him for who he is? Because there's a big difference. And I think in modern day American Christianity, what we do is that we worship Jesus for him to give us what we want. And the minute that he does it, we say, crucify him. I'm leaving the faith. I'm walking out. Why? What happened? I thought I was going to find my woman of God, my wog in here. I thought I was going to find my wog. And months have gone by and God has forgotten about me. I thought God was going to heal me from the bad doctor's report that I got. And when God doesn't come through the way we want, on our calendar and our time, we turn our back on him. And Jesus is revealing, I'm the king that you've been looking for and you don't even know it. But you're worshiping me for the wrong reasons. As we gather here today, come on, let's put our heart in the right place and say, God, today I've been looking for all these different solutions. I've been searching for peace. I need hope. I feel lost. I feel confused. Maybe, Jesus, you're the one. and I've been looking to you like a genie to give me what I want instead of the Father who knows what I need. God's not an ATM machine in heaven saying, what do you want? I'll give it to you. He's a doctor, a father, 
who's saying, I have the medicine for your soul. Let's worship him from the right place. Amen. Let's give him all the proper worship, all the honor from the right place because he redeemed us. He saved us. He adopted us. Come on, there's nobody like Jesus. Out of Luke chapter 19, I see just a few things that we'll wrap up with. And then the band will come on. Let's worship Jesus with all that we got, with the right perspective. Luke, Luke chapter 19, as Jesus is coming down, he rides on this donkey. What can we learn from this? I think you can go home and you can make some application points on your own. But I saw three things that stood out to me. And I hope this encourages you. And then you go back and read the story and see what you pick up. But why we worship King Jesus today, why we give him all the praise, why we know he's the solution of the soul, it's because of three things. Number one is because he has absolute control. Somebody say absolute control. I think what we see on this day, Palm Sunday, what we see is that Jesus, he's not just an earthly king, but he's a spiritual king that he knows exactly. We are seeing the providence of God in this story. Luke chapter 19, read with me, verses 29 to 31. We just read this a while ago. We'll read it one more time. Verse 29, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. He's talking about a donkey. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. This is crazy, right? Because Jesus, he knows this is the day I'm going to reveal I'm king. And he sends two guys into a town. And he's going to say, he's saying, you're going to find a donkey. When you find that donkey, untie it and bring it here because I'm going to use that donkey. And I started thinking about this. I said, how crazy is Jesus? Then he just says, go into town. You're going to find a donkey tied up. He knows exactly where the donkey is. He knows exactly the job, purpose, description of this donkey. You're going to go into town. You're going to find one donkey tied up. That donkey, loosen it up and bring him to me because I'm going to use him today. Palm Sunday shows me that Jesus never loses sight of anything. He's in absolute control of it all. And if he knows where the donkey is, oh, come on, he knows where I'm at today. He's a good God. He never loses sight of any single one of his children. If he takes care of the birds, if he takes care of the insects, surely he's going to take care of my soul. He has his eye on me. Better than any GPS in this world, it is King Jesus. He knows where I'm at. He calls for me and he says come home some of us we're tied up in some things today we're tied up and bound up with some things that are treating the symptoms but are not the answer and I believe that our father is saying today oh Michael Gabriel go and tie him I'm calling him home I have a plan and a purpose for his life you're tied up in bad relationships you're tied up with some vices you're bound but the father says bring him home today I got a purpose in his life I got absolute control of his life Today I'm thankful because when I was lost, when I had no idea where I was going, there's a God who had his eye on me and never lost me. He's an absolute, I worship him because he's got my life. Some of us, why we praise today, why we worship today. I know people may think we're crazy, we're fanatics, but you don't know some of us shouldn't be here today. Some of us should be six feet up. Some of us 
Oh, come on, we should have been in prison. Some of us, we should have been six feet under, but there's a God who ordained our steps, and we had no idea how the car accident didn't kill me. I didn't end up in prison forever. I didn't die. It was God in all his sovereign providential plan that he was taking care of me. Oh, that's why I got to praise, because I should have been dead. I should have been gone, but God in his grace and his mercy, he kept me. Come on, somebody, give him a praise today. About 12 weeks ago, we had a baby, and, and it, well, she had a baby, but I was there helping her out. <laughs> the other day, we get home, and you know, we're learning. Don't judge me. We're learning, but Dan, I was taking care of some stuff, so I'm taking the baby out, and I put the baby in the stroller, but I have to open the trunk of the car to get some stuff out. And as I'm taking stuff out of the car, literally, I'm trying to grab the bags, and I'm trying to grab the, the blanket. The stroller starts, like, rolling down the sidewalk. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God the editor didn't see it. Some of us think that's how God is. Like, I'm taking care of Asia, and I got a whole bunch of people in Africa that need help, and here is Japan, and here is another. I know, I know Colombia is a mess. I got to take care of Colombia. And, oh, there goes Peter. Can I tell you, he's got it all under control. He'll never lose you. He's got you. He's got you at night. He's got you in the morning. He's got you when you see it. He's got you when you don't see it. He's in absolute control. That's why I worship him. That's why I give him the praise. He'll never lose me, even when I lose myself. Come on. He's a good God. Psalm 139 says, oh, Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know, when I sit down, when I, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I can't attain it. My God, he knows me. He knows me. I worship King Jesus because he's in absolute control of my life. Can't nothing else in this world do you like Jesus? Today, as we start this series, come on, he deserves all the worship, not because of what he gives, but who he is. Number one, he's in absolute control. Number two, he has secure promises. Today we worship him because he's not a liar. We worship him because he doesn't come up short with his promises. Today you can bank your whole life on this God better than you do on any stock, crypto, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, friend, family, or relationship you've ever had. He's not a liar. And this is what he's showing this Palm Sunday. What Jesus is doing is, is absolutely wild. He's saying, bring me the donkey from Shrek. Bring him over here. <laughs> they put him on the donkey, and he's coming down. He's riding down to Jerusalem. But what's happening in this very moment is that he's fulfilling the word that they've been waiting for hundreds of years. In fact, about 500 years right before this very moment, 500 years right before this day, there's a prophet, his name is Zechariah. Look what he says. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The prophet says, rejoice greatly. He writes down this prophetic vision he sees. And he says, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. 
humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The prophetic vision says that the Messiah, the King, he is coming and he's going to be riding on a donkey and 100 years go by, 200 years, 300 years go by and they're like, when is this King coming? Because time has gone by and it looks like God has forgotten. Some of us in here, we feel like some of the people that day. God, but I thought my healing would come. God, God, you promised that you were going to save my mom and my dad and my family still in dysfunction and broken. God, you said that you were going to bring my son home and you were going to bring my daughter back to you, but today we're struggling thinking that God has overlooked us, forgotten about us. I thought surely by now I'd find my purpose, I'd find my calling. And so what we do is that we say, God, you, you've abandoned us, you've forgotten about us, but this day, this Palm Sunday, this King Sunday, Jesus is showing that none of his words ever fail. You know why I worship him? Because he's not a liar. You know why I worship him? Because it may take 10 years, 20 years. I may not see it in my lifetime, but maybe in my children's lifetime or my children's children. But all I know is that every word he's spoken, it'll come to pass. Oh, come on. How many know he's not a car salesman? How many know he's not a telemarketer? But everything that he says is true. Every word, every promise, every prophetic thing that God has spoken over your life, it will come to pass. Some of us need to hold on to that. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Some of us, come on, we got to worship like we know he's not a liar. Some of us, we got to worship. I know somebody lied to you. I know you got people that walked out in your life. Maybe your mother, your father walked out and you put those earthly principles on God. He's better than your father. He's better than your mother. He's better than that first marriage. Oh, come on. He's God and he's not a liar. He's a true and living God. Number one, he's in absolute control. We got to finish. The keys have been playing for a while. Thank you, Daniel. Number one, he's in absolute control. Number two, he has promises that are absolutely secure. I worship him not because of what he gives, but who he is. And the passion week of Jesus should create a passion life in me. And third and finally, as the band comes, we're going to worship Jesus. We worship him because he has complete victory. I'm talking about overwhelming victory. I worship him because he's a champion. He's a winner. His track record is 52 and 0, better than May, Money Mayweather. Anybody you want to put up, he, he's never lost a battle, and he's not about to lose. Luke chapter 19, Jesus is going into the city, and some people are praising him because they think he's about to go get a temporary victory. Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, we're going to the palace. I can't wait to be in the palace. I'm going to be serving water to all the guests. I can't wait to be in the courtyard. This is going to be awesome. They got the wrong victory in mind. Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, Jesus, I want to be your assistant. Jesus, I'll answer all your emails. I'll make sure your Facebook messages are answered, your DMs, all of that. They're, they want positions, titles. They want temporary solutions. And you can praise God for temporary solutions, and some of us do. We've done it. I've done it. We come in here and we praise God because he did something for us that's temporary. But, but your worship changes when you know it's an eternal victory. So Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming, and it says in verse uh, 37, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, 
the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. He's done a whole lot. Awesome. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Like, they are too loud. What are they doing? Hosanna. They're calling you king. Can you tell them to please be quiet? Shut up. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus, I, I could just imagine, I'll use a little bit of my imagination, but Jesus is riding on a donkey and he's, he's going into Jerusalem. And I could just picture for a moment Jesus with a little smirk, like, if you're worshiping me now for what you think I'm going to do, you will really worship me in about a week when I come out of the grave for what I really came to do. Some of us are worshiping Jesus out of temporary victories, but if you understand that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, today our worship will change and we'll realize he came to give me more than medicine for my symptom, but he came to give me medicine for my soul. I worship him because he is a champion. Today I worship him because, oh, he, he came to give me victory. I can't even imagine. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to rule. I can't wait to get into the palace in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, this is more than a palace. I'm going to a cross. Then I'm going to a grave for three days. But after three days, oh, I'm going to resurrect. And I won't just defeat Rome. I'll defeat sin and death for all time. In fact, at the end of Scripture, we just get glimpses of what's going to happen. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says, Then the seventh seal, the seventh angel, he blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Today we worship him not because he gave us temporary victory, but because he has complete eternal victory. Come on, he's king. We're not worshiping somebody that can give us just a dopamine hit here and there. No, he, he saved our soul. He forgave our sins. When you see us with our eyes closed and our hands raised, I'm telling you, it's because nothing else could do it the way King Jesus could. Nothing else could. Some of us tried it. Some of us been there and done that. And today we realize there's only one that deserves all the worship. So we're going to worship him because of who he really is. Today, maybe you've been worshiping him for the wrong reasons. Maybe you've been worshiping other things. Can I, can I just encourage you for a moment? We're leaving in just about five, six minutes. But for a moment, we're going to worship more time. Worship him for who he is. He's king. I finished with this last story. There was, there was this family that was leaving. They were, they were living near an, an Air Force base. And every single day, the jets, they would come and land and they would take off. And these jets, they produce volumes that are absolutely insane. And the family, every single day, the house would begin to shake. The house would begin to rattle. You know, you're sitting down for dinner and you're like, mm, okay, this is... After a while, they started complaining, and they're like, this is getting out of control. Every day, Jets, every day they have to take off. And, you know, the committee got together. Some of you have a committee like that in your neighborhood, and they complain from the parties you throw. But the committee got together, and they're like, let's go say something. Like, this is getting out of control. Can they fly once a week, but every day? And so they went and complained, and the complaints started coming to the Air Force Base. And after some time, the Air Force Base, what they decided to do is they decided to put a big, big sign right outside the Air Force Base. And the sign said this, pardon the noise, but it's the sound of freedom. 
Some of us are in here and we're like, we don't understand why you get so loud. We don't understand why you're here every Sunday. Why do you serve him? Why do you tithe? Can I just tell you, pardon the noise, but it's the sound of freedom. We found the answer to the soul. We found the satisfaction. Nothing could do it. Oh, come on, if you're grateful this morning, can you stand up on your feet? Let's lift up our hands. Come on, can we worship him today? Oh, hell, King Jesus. Eyes closed, head bowed. Today, the Bible says that every single one of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. There's nobody that's perfect in this place. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. The Bible says he's a loving God, but he's also a holy God. And so yes, he loves us, but he can't be with sin. Sin separates us from God. It's the barrier between us and the Father. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life the bible says that jesus he came down the son of god the messiah the one true king jesus came and he took all of my sin all of your sin every wrong thing we've done said thought all of our sins the bible says that jesus he carried them on his shoulders and on that friday which we're going to talk about in a few weeks from now the bible says he went up on the cross and on that cross, Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. The Bible says that sin has a heavy price. The Bible says that the wages or the price of sin is death. Sin will kill you. First, it'll kill you slowly, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, many times even physically. But Jesus says, I'll take the death of sin so that you can have the life of God. The Bible says that there on that cross, Jesus died. He went down to a grave. Jesus was dead for three days, but after three days, they could not hold him back. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus resurrected. He's alive. And I'm telling you today, he's the answer. The bottle won't do it. The vice won't do it. The relationship won't do it. The car, the house, the salary won't do it. Only Jesus can save you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're in here today and you need salvation, you need forgiveness, it's only Jesus. Some of you know you've tried it. You walked in here today looking and searching. Can I tell you, you need Jesus. Some of you, this morning, you need a brand new beginning, a brand new start. You're saying, I've messed up my life so much. There's mercy and grace for you today. Come on, he saved some of us, and we're so thankful this morning. He wants to do the same in your life. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. If you're here and you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need a brand new beginning. Alex, I need forgiveness of my sins. I want to repent and turn back to God. I want a relationship with God. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to give you a mic. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer. Come on, our pastors are praying, dream team's praying. If you're saying, Alex, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I need a brand new, I need forgiveness of sins. I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to see you. And then I want you to put it right back down. One two three raise your hand as high as you can as high as you can i see you 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 god bless you god bless you god bless you amen 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 i see you awesome you can put your hands back down come on he's a good god i'm gonna say a simple prayer and i want all of us to repeat this prayer together we're gonna say it like a big family my prayer is nothing special. It's what we're doing. We're putting our faith and our trust in him right now. Come on, with every eye closed, why don't we repeat this out loud? Come on, Calvary Church. It's one big family. Let's help them. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. 
So we're doing in this moment. All of us in one voice out loud, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, oh, come on, from today on, I'm saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, brother. Oh, come on, Calvary, can we put our hands together for every person that made a decision? Hey, we're leaving right now. We're leaving in just a moment. If you raise your hand all over this place, congratulations on the best decision of your life. And it's following Jesus. And today we have a gift for you outside in the courtyard. It's a big courtyard. We're going to see a tent that says Connect Tent. And uh, we have some of the best people on the, I'm serious, like the sweetest, kindest people in the world are there. And they just literally want to give, if you don't even like hugs, they won't hug you. But they just want to give you this bag. And in there, there's a letter from me and Diana. There's a coffee mug, a free coffee mug for you. There's a voucher if you want to get coffee next week at our Calvary Cafe. But most importantly, there's a Bible for new Christians, new believers. And we, I, I know you're like, Alex, I already got a Bible. I'm good. No, I, this Bible's better. Trust me. Get this Bible. It has notes to help you understand what you're reading. And I know we're supposed to be praying. If you were peeking and your neighbor raised their hand, take them out there and uh, make sure they pick up this Bible. We love you. We just want to let you know you got a family here with you. And we're going to help you every step of the way. One more time. Can we give them a hand? Thank you, brother. Come on, let's get ready for Easter as we think about Jesus, worship Jesus. I pray that you have a, a blessed rest of your day and week. Next week, we'll be back at Kendall Campus 9, 11, and 1. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands one more time. Let's sing this out one more time. All hail King Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for Thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you that you are the answer that we've been looking for. You're the solution. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's lift it up.